0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaky Powerful podcast. My name is Ali Capuro and I'm so glad you're here. On Sneaky Powerful, I interview somatic experiencing practitioners and we explore various concepts, personal and professional experiences with somatic experiencing or SE. On today's podcast, I interview my friend Rainey. We get to talk about chasing freedom, our bodies, and healing from trauma. Let's get to the interview. Hi, Rainy. <laughs> Hi, I, Allie. My face, when I saw your face, I it was like, I okay, I'm going to talk to you about this because when we were in Bozeman and you came up to me and you said, can I put my hands on your shoulders? That's like now become a resource for me. Mm. It was, I don't know what you did, but it's the magic of Rainy but when you came up behind me and put your hands there it was like being held by all mothers everywhere and my system was like safe so safe and so when I think of you Rainy and I think of all my list of questions that I've got listed here that I want to kind of see if we can get to I think of that moment and I thank you for that resource Needless to say, welcome.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for reflecting that back to me and letting me know how that impacted you. And you're just speaking to the potency of connection and invitation and communication and all of those things in that little moment of inquiry and receptivity and contact and listening. And I am so. I'm so honored and happy to be having this conversation with you.
0: I am too. It it, it feels, it feels, um, I've been loving the word provenance lately. There's some, yeah, there's some work I do with a group of women separate from Essie. One of my sisters in that group said, it's like you could see the provenance of this coming. And that's how I feel in this moment with you. It's been building. I can even picture you. In Bozeman when we were in the training, and just not knowing you but feeling you. Nobody I have
1: I have same memories of you. So <laughs>
0: okay, good. Let's <laughs> that's get to that's some our, our that. love fest. <laughs> I know. <huh? laughs> it's it's so. This is why I love SE though, because I think I was in a drought for so long, mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as connection. Yeah, and connection that wasn't. I don't know how I feel about this word, but transactional, perhaps connection that was just really authentic and generous. So So it's kind of funny because I'm reordering the questions in my mind because immediately I just want to know about you. That's one thing that we rarely got a chance to get into in all of our adventures together. What do you want to know? How did you find Essie?
1: Hmm. I'm just taking a moment because that's take- what we do in SE, <laughs> right? And other, in other traditions too, just to pause and take a moment and kind of settle in because there's so many different ways to answer that question. But basically, you know, I have my own history of challenges and impacts and traumas and things that inhibited And stopped me from being in the world the way I wanted to be. And I didn't even know that. Right. But I've, you know, I've been doing personal work since I was 15. Mm. Um, And all of that, much of that, I should say, was there was a s- separation between kind of the psychological healing I was embarking on and some of the physiological healing I was embarking on. And they came together when I started seeing a new therapist who brought the body into it. And I was like, this is different. And I I loved it. And at the same time, I was like, oh, this is work. And I don't know. And geez Louise, I don't know what it feels like in my body. And that's, you know, and yet, and I didn't even know it was SE at the time. I didn't know that that's, I didn't know that was part of her toolkit. I just knew that I wanted to work with this particular woman. And she had been re- recommended to me. And as I dove deeper I realized, oh, there is this beautiful connection. She kept stopping me and like noticing, (laughs) you know? And so this was like, okay, yeah. And then later on, as I was doing deeper work, I searched for an SE therapist very specifically to do some very deep healing work on my history and knew that it was like, by that time, I knew that the integration was really important. And there was a way that, you know, all all these roads led me here because part of the other piece of my healing was my discovery of embodiment practices. So yoga, asana, and meditation is something I've been doing since I was in high school. Wow. I started practicing with my mentor and teacher Susan Harper in the tradition of continuum inquiry over a decade ago of how to you know, be inside and be embodied. And it's interesting because like many people, because of the impacts of my history, I didn't know how to be in my body, even though I thought I did. And I learned how to treat my body as an object and as a kind of an external thing, it was like, well, I can do this, I can move it in this way, I can treat it in this way. I can I had to learn uh, how to feel it from the inside as an experience and how to work with the experiences of delight and deliciousness as well as the uncomfortable pieces that help to move some of the trauma out. So, All of these different roads brought me to finally saying, it's time this is the next piece of what how I want to serve the world and how I want to serve my students and my clients, which is to become an an SE practitioner.
0: So much of that I connect with. That's one of my favorite things about this as well. It's like these parallel roads that so many of us have... Our histories kind of reflect this parallel experience, very unique, but you know, similar. Starting with my trauma at a younger age and being thrust into having to figure it out or not survive, whatever that means to anyone. Without getting too specific, but I want to ask you because I've also, when I started therapy, it was not an SE practitioner. Um, but she did. EM, she does EMDR. And she would ask that question, where do you notice that in your body? And as a true fawner, I was like, okay, I'm going to do really good at this. I'm going to find the right <laughs> answer. What does she want me to say? And of course, over time, I, did, I learned my way out of that a little bit. But finally, as being a very kind client, I said, I hate that question. <laughs> I think it kind of surprised her.
1: <laughs> how beautiful though. I mean, what a beautiful moment of honesty mm. and clarity, like something in your body was like, oh, don't ask me that.
0: And the way you're right? describing it with your face and your, um, your hand up, that's exactly how it felt like ew, stop. And, and which connects obviously to why I didn't want to know, but yeah, <laughs> as you know, a little bit about my trauma history, but so as you were talking, I wanted to know some of this, especially for beginning, um, SE students, it's so who have not been embodied or done anything like embodiment healing modalities. What do you know now? Can you, do you still kind of Leave your body, or do you know now? How do you work with that? Because I think that happens to me quite a bit where I'm like, oh, I think I'm all the things. I'm calm. I'm like the IFS 8Cs. I'm all those.
1: And then I'm like, damn it, I'm not. Yeah, it's such a great question. And I think this is, I think there's a misunderstanding in our larger culture. But also in the healing culture of psychotherapy, body centered stuff, any of that, that the goal is to always be calm, collected, no, no. Be grounded, right? Mm-hmm. Even from the different historical embodiment practices, right? Whether that's yoga or ritual movement or any of those things right that there's a goal of steadiness and it's really important that we recognize that none of us can be that all the time and we're not designed to be like that all the time right it's like that's the way I, I describe it sometimes it's like then we just flatline Like, right. (laughs) Right. You're alive, but you're not alive because everything's okay. Right. And this is also where sometimes spiritual bypassing comes in. It's like, oh, it's all good. I'm just, I'm calm, baby. And it's like, you know, the, the important piece, the healing is the ability to be able to go up and down and ride the waves of grief and joy and anger and sadness and delight and be able to like come back and to actually be present with that, what's happening. So instead of it being just like meh, flat line, you know, right. I'm always good, you know, and that's the goal and oh, wow, you know, I got upset that day and I, that's means somehow, you know, I haven't done enough work or I haven't figured it out. It's like, well, maybe, maybe there was a really good reason to get upset right? And how do I presence myself in that process of like, okay, and how do I do that with skill and with consciousness and so that it's not leaky or it's not destructive. And I can say, yeah, I'm really upset about that. And I take it to the appropriate place, or I have my practices that help me work through it so that it doesn't impact my relationships or the way that I need to be in a particular scenario or the way I show up for myself or for another person. And so when you ask that question, I think most of us go, oh, you know, that's the goal. And I want to, I would say, can we reconfigure the goal? Mm -hmm. That the goal is about that resiliency of being able to touch into all of our states of nervous system and honor the responses and not get stuck there, right? And to bring a certain level of that calm presence, whether you want to call her, I call her the wise woman, mm. or whether you want to call it the witness or the deeper consciousness, to be with that process so that it, it's not unembodied or it's not unconscious.
0: Mm. I'm letting that all sink in. I think I secretly developed this podcast so I could get more therapy.
1: <laughs> you know how it's so important to have these conversations and to witness each other into our our being. Mm. Right? That's what I feel yeah. like SC sessions do is, right? I mean there's a lot more and there's, you know, oh, yeah, skill and all of that, but you know, I think it was Am I going to misattribute this? Was it James Hillman who basically said, you know, all our wounds want is to be witnessed. Yeah, right. Right? So So powerful to sit down with somebody Mm -hmm. and to hear and to listen and to allow for that story to unfold. And I think what I love about SE and the embodiment practices is it's important to let it unfold, to track it and witness it is somatically as well as verbally or mentally
0: now okay that makes so much sense to me because as you say that i think of how you were explaining the kind of myth of if i'm healing i'm very calm all the time and that's inaccurate that's flatlining like you said life is about all of it all of it and As you said that about the SE piece, I thought, yeah, that's exactly right. It's almost like I get in there and I think I'm speaking for a lot of us, (laughs) possibly. I get in there and I try to control the experience so that the one that shows up or gets presented doesn't... I don't have to feel rejection or it limits or lessens my the possibility of feeling rejected or made fun of. All, all the things that happened that I've been avoiding my yeah. whole life.
1: Yeah. 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 I think that, again, that speaks to, and I'm really curious, you know, a lot of what I'm sitting and exploring these days in my own, my own system, but also f- with my clients and my students is that the importance of acknowledging, and then I'm going to come back to answer your question, mm-hmm. but the importance of acknowledging that we are an individual nervous system, but we are not, we are never isolated. We're never alone. We're always we're functioning in these different constellations, right? So, you know, I was imprinted by my family constellation and the communities that I grew up in and the communities I'm still in and then the institutions that we engage in, right? Stacey Haynes speaks to this so so eloquently, right, in the politics of trauma and the culture that we live in. And so I'm always looking at, yeah, how do these assumptions and these impacts of these larger constellations inform me? And we live in a culture that objectifies bodies in lots of different ways, female bodies, male bodies non-binary bodies, all of that, doesn't matter. We objectify and we treat them literally as they're out here, right? So the body is something to be fixed, to be healed, to be shrunken, grown, a name your your direction, right? And so when we might be first invited in to be start noticing sensations or pay attention to the feeling of an emotion, it's like, well, it should be this way or I want it to be that way or or what does the that outside person think I should, right? And we, we do all of that to ourselves. And so there's this whole unwinding process Of shifting from objectification to subjectification, right? To being offered that word, yes. I was wondering the word is the subject, right? To being the experiencer Mm -hmm. of, oh, this is what it feels like to, and it doesn't matter, you might feel it completely differently. I feel bubbles and you feel tingles, or you know, I (laughs) feel right, whatever, or you know, this particular tool that we might work. Uh, you feel lighter and I feel heavier. Does't matter, yeah. right? And so that there isn't, and I think this this ties in beautifully with the way that many of us are starting to reconfigure and re-understand how to work with the nervous system through practices like yoga. And movements where um, much of the time, here we go, another, our Western says, there's an ideal posture, there's an ideal shape, and all of us have to fit into that, right? As opposed to saying, well, actually, there's as many shapes as there are people, and the asana, the shape, is an experience. How do we feel it from the inside out? How do we experience it? And what that might look differently on the outside, right? And that's a huge paradigm shift that I think is in the works. You too. But we're up against our culture and all of that.
0: I am really touched by what you said. And I really feel like when you said As Even posture, and I I believe you were talking about yoga postures, but I even was thinking as you were talking about, yeah, I feel like I have to have a certain posture so that when I enter the world, I'm seen a certain way instead of coming from the inside, right? And also the phrase, when you were describing that and this possibility of, wait, all? All of us are okay how we are. (laughs) I just this phrase ran across my mind. It's like we're chasing freedom. I'm chasing freedom. The freedom of that is it just makes me feel so expansive and so capable.
1: (laughs) The opposite of trauma (laughs) Mm, isn't that beautiful, right? Absolutely, I love that. Chasing freedom and finding freedom, right? Mm -hmm. In these little moments of, yeah spaciousness to, to experience yourself as you, Mm -hmm. me, experience me as me. Um, You know, if we think about ourselves as we are nature, right? Oftentimes when we talk about nature, we think, oh, we're going to go out into nature. We're going to go take a walk in nature, but we are nature, right? We are those elements that make up trees and rivers and stone and earth and all of those things.
0: You said embodying nature in our bodies. I remember being in college. I I was a teacher before I became a therapist. And um, it was, so it was my undergrad for elementary education and in a science, how to teach science to, you know, kids, the professor said it was the first time that I had heard that we are made of stars. And I've struggled with uh, spirituality from about, I probably about 16, 17 on to present and it was like this little tick mark in my line my lifetime line of if we're made of stars yeah there's got to be something <laughs> there's got to be something mm-hmm. on this earth mm-hmm. this can't be it yeah so being yeah. in nature helps me in my evolving spirituality remember that mm-hmm. So, what do you do? This is the question that should have actually maybe been at the beginning. But when you say clients, students, what do you do for work?
1: <laughs> I was just going to say that. What do I do? Well, who are you? Yeah. And I really appreciate it when people, um, I think it's important, and it's something I started doing a number of years ago to really um, like. To clarify that question, because so many, so in our, again, here we are in our culture, we ask, well, what do you do? And the assumption is what you do is what your work is, which is who you are, right? And so it's like, well, I like to, you know, it's like, what do you do for, what do you do for money? (laughs) What do you do for living? (laughs) What do you do for fun? What do you do, you know, for entertainment? Like all of these different ways, what do you feel, what do you do to feel alive, right? I want to know all of those. So yes, all. (laughs) So I think your initial question, in terms of like, oh, I have clients and students. As so, I am an SE practitioner. I'm an SEP. I'm a That's yoga great. therapist. I'm a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher. I'm also a Continuum Inquiry teacher. All of these are um, modalities of embodiment, mm-hmm. and so I have a private practice uh, where I work one on one with clients who want to find more joy and ease in their everyday living. Mm -hmm. And they know that there are things that are stuck, that don't, that kind of inhibit them in having the most kind of pleasant and pleasurable and connected experience they can have with people, with the world, with themselves. and. They may have found me through other modalities. They may have found me through other uh, folks who have worked with me. Uh, They might find me through some of the other ways that I offer service in the world. Um, So that's my primary, is my private practice. And it's what I love. I just love these moments of supporting. The way that I like to describe it is I support folks in reclaiming their body wisdom and learning the language of their body so they can incorporate that with their cognitive intelligence and with the other things that they know and they do in the world so that that can come back online because it's something that has not been nourished in our culture and isn't talked about and isn't trained, you know, that's a whole nother topic. I also still teach a few Public yoga classes throughout the week. And that, well, I teach one a week and then throughout the month. Um, And those are, you know, trauma sensitive uh, movement, breath, and meditation practices where I offer a lot of choice. Because if one of the definitions of trauma in the nervous system is we lose choice, we lost choice. In, during the event or the situation, and then that gets stuck. And then we don't have a choice in sometimes how we respond to this moment in now. So there's a lot of options and a lot of choice and a lot of, and, every, you know, everybody is different. Right. So I do that and I uh, offer workshops and retreats throughout the year. Obviously I haven't done that in person in a few years because mm-hmm. of what we've been living through uh, with the pandemic but I look forward to to re-emerging into that offering again. Absolutely, when it when it feels right. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm so that's what excited. I do. I did for my for my work, and yeah. I feel like it's an offering that I make to the world to help help my little corner of the yeah. world and my folks that I'm in contact with be more present, more connected, and that brings the world alive. I want to
0: actually walk through a little bit of what you said about choice. I think that I come across, for example, friends, people that maybe even aren't going to therapy or it doesn't make sense to me because since I was about 18, 19, 20, I've been reading books about how to not feel like
1: shit. So yeah. <laughs> I'm with you.
0: I'm with you. (laughs) I do know some people that don't have that experience. And I'm thinking of one friend in particular, it would be surprising to hear that, yeah, when we're we're in this situation and we're having this sort of trauma response, it's a lack of choice that's a major contributor to that trauma reaction. Those would not be the words she would use, but (laughs) from the outside in. So I was thinking. What would it be like to talk through maybe in with, if you can think of a time with a a yoga student, something where you've seen the choice get embodied and move or shift. And and it doesn't, it can be personal. It could be a story, but I'm wanting to highlight some of these subtleties. Hmm. I can tell you a little bit more as you think to I'm thinking of the friend um, who felt I could see her activation climbing and felt like, how am I going to resolve this? How am I going to resolve this? And it just kept getting swirlier and swirlier Mm -hmm. in the the, um, sympathetic arousal. And then something came online where she said out loud, but I have a I don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. I have a choice. Yeah. And immediately I saw her whole system
1: that. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's so and, and there was a lot of work that got her to that place me what goes through your mind when you think that? Because that that you know that nervous system response, right? Let's say so. You know the scenario. You know, and I can't think of a particular experience right now, but that knowing of an event happens in the here and now, right in this moment, and my reaction is much bigger than really the kind of the circumstance of warrants. Right. And I would say for most of my life, I didn't get that that mismatch, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I just figured everything needed that much experience, you know, <laughs> that everything was an emergency, right? <laughs> and maybe, you know, and maybe that's, you know, for me, part of my imprint was in, was that from my family is that kind of everything is urgent, Right. So, you know, I spent much of my life kind of was like, oh, dinner. Oh, my gosh. You know, I got to do this. I got to do that. Right. And it took me a while. Right. This is part of the process of starting to bring online so many, you know, whatever we want to call it, the witness consciousness, the deeper consciousness, your wise woman, your wise man, your that part of you that is spoken about in different, you know, traditions, but is also brought on in, in in you know, psychotherapy of there is a part of you that is kind of steady and constant that you can bring in. And so we kind of bringing her online. And that takes some time, sometimes, especially if we don't. We've never been, we've never been self-reflective, right, right? right? Some of us have been self-reflective a lot, and it's like, oh yeah, I I know how to do that. Right. Or some of us have spent a lot of time outside our bodies watching ourselves, and we're <laughs> like, oh, maybe there's some relationship to that, right? But there's that cultivating that capacity to start to be with something. Be with the sensations. Be with the experience. Be with what we notice. So it's not automatic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's there's a there's an understanding of like, oh, this is what's happening, and then being able to notice. Well, why? You know, maybe there's I, I get that. Like, there's some history here, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's like right now yes. in this moment with this circumstance does it really warrant that? And like, oh, I have a choice here. I could shift my attention. And it's not about ignoring or or saying I shouldn't have this response, but is the response proportional? And it's like, maybe it is, but if it's not, it's like, oh, well, let me, let me, I have some tools. Mm. I have some ways that I can, and sometimes just noticing like, whoa, I'm really... I'm really activated here. This is something in my system is reading this as a threat or something in my system. This is reading. This is really familiar and not. Okay. You know, and then you can unpack it in lots of ways, but I think it's an interesting process to come circle back around, around choice, right? Because there is some way that sometimes when You know, if we take a a yoga practice, for instance, and the way that, especially in our culture, again, you know, yoga has been appropriated and then separated from its traditions. It's become a physical thing and it's like, oh, here's the ideal shape, right? You're going to do this and we're going to try and get your foot here and and this And there's a way that sometimes that kind of containment feels good. It's like, oh yeah, just tell me what to do, right? (laughs) I just don't need to think about it and tell me what to do. And at the same time, offering a sense of, you know what? It doesn't have to be this precise. You might feel it differently. What if you have an injury? What if your body doesn't do that? What if you have a different shape? What if, what if? right? And that you can actually embody this from your own experience. And some folks, it's kind of like, oh, it's just this big relief. Absolutely. Oh, right. I don't have to match up to this. I don't have to Mm -hmm. respond this way, right? I'm kind of mixing the things. Mm -hmm. What if I get to, I get to put my hand here. (laughs) I get Mm -hmm. to, We'll put my knee down. I don't have to again control Mm -hmm. so much, right? And that we also want to acknowledge, right? That control and that containment has been a survival tool Mm -hmm. and it's been great. And we need to recognize that and honor it and also notice when it becomes a limitation or it becomes a reenactment of. The trauma, but, or yeah, right, right mm-hmm. or what has held us back, Be- yes. and so it's nuanced, mm-hmm. right? It's very nuanced. When do we need that containment? Does that containment support freedom, mm-hmm. or does that containment limit us oh and gosh, and push lovely. us down?
0: That's a lovely. I'm thinking of all the ways that sort of question to myself can support so many things. I'm thinking of even with my kids, the amount of containment, right? Does it support freedom or does it support, what was the other alternative there?
1: Or is Maybe. it just control? Control. Yes. Right? Is it just control? Is it like a, yes. a power grab? Right? Exactly. <laughs> power exactly. Grab, right.
0: And also the piece, then if you say to me, if I'm on the yoga mat, you're sort of guiding me, supporting me in Ali, maybe you could trust your body. <laughs> you could yeah. trust your body to let you know what what it needs, what position feels the best, and that yeah. is golden.
1: <laughs> it is, and and sometimes it takes some time to get there because we don't trust our bodies and we don't know how. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, and so there's a whole process of learning or relearning, right, and unlearning. <laughs> right? We have to unlearn some of the ways that we've imposed on our bodies. And then we have to relearn some of the wisdom, but it's there. And then how do we create enough space? Mm -hmm. There's another container Mm -hmm. for that conversation and that inquiry to be present, Mm -hmm. right? For me, this is where my studies with my mentor, Susan, and Continuum comes in. As I remember, for, I, you know, I'd spent many years in the, yoga world with that kind of um, admonishment you know it needs to be this way it needs to look that way from the outside in and i remember my first weekend of exploring through continuum inquiry and this is a a body of work of embodying and exploring what what are the impulses that we want to feel? And is that impulse to be still? And is that impulse, and can some of those impulses be small? And so there's a, a re-tapping into our nature, the elements, particularly our fluid body through this body of work, of continuum, how the tides work, all of that. And so I remember, you know, it's like there's a motif that's kind of presented. We might explore you know, this idea, and then you're just left on your map <laughs> to explore. And I remember being at the simultaneously, utterly terrified. I don't know. Nobody has just said to me, do what your body feels like. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what my body wants to do or feels like. Nobody has ever really invited me on that deep level just to, and for it to be okay. And simultaneously with that terror was a uh, like, oh. <laughs> I love the noise. Like, like so this, good. this, this could change everything. And like, oh. and like uh, a total um, sense of awe and curiosity and delight and utter terror. And I sat with that for most of the weekend. And I would move and then I'd be like, well, I'm moving because I feel like that's what I should be doing.
0: Right? right.
1: Or I'm still, you know, I'm like, well, do I move this? Way? I don't know how my arm <laughs> wants to move, you know, it's like and, you know, over the the time I've un- slowly unwound some of that cultural and familial and traumatized ways of assuming it should be this way or it should be that way and I still feel those I still have those moments just Mm -hmm. back circle back around to where we started right I still Mm -hmm. have those moments where there's that imposition right of it should be this way or I you know what if somebody was watching and then it's like okay and Oh, you know, how do I explore? How do I open up to those choices? And sometimes that can be really scary because it hasn't been safe. And what is the container? Oh, the container is a motif. What if I just come back to this rhythm? Okay, I'm just going to come back here and see where it delivers me, right? I love the words.
0: I don't know why I really love that word deliver right there. Where does it deliver Mm me? That just feels nice. Oh. I could live in that watching you do the rhythm and hear your voice. I could live there for about a month. I think (laughs) I would be so
1: regulated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we are rhythmic beings and this is the rhythm of our nervous system and it's the pulse of life, right? And we're inviting ourselves to come back, right? We're inviting our clients to start to inhabit what is it like to be more fluid? What is it like to be in the flow yeah, of yeah. life and to be present with that and to not get stuck in the eddies? <laughs> or if we get stuck in the eddies, yeah. then we kind of know, oh, I've got this, this ore over here that I know it's like, oh, I can get myself back in the flow. Right.
0: When you work with um, someone either in yoga or your private practice, someone that maybe it's new to do some internal kind of body inquiry, what are some things when you said like getting back in the flow, what's something you might do to get to help someone connect with that a little bit?
1: Well, there's a couple of ways. Sometimes. It kind of depends, like always, like on the person, right? We're all different. Mm -hmm. It may be that sense of, you know, the image of a river, right? Mm -hmm. And so maybe the image of a river and the way that it flows and the way that it kind of, there is in a river, there is also current, right? There's a current that eddies back and flows up on the outsides, right? And so we might work with that image. Maybe that really resonates with them right? Maybe, and I, you, I'm i saying this cautiously, maybe there's the, the access to breathing, right? The flowing of the breath. Having said that, mm-hmm. for many people, tuning into the breath is actually more agitating than soothing, right? So acknowledging that, yes. right? And then there's a whole process, right? Of acknowledging, and there might be another way. So actually let's do something, right? Yes. I'm going to invite you to do something. This is one of the simple ways that I might do. So simple, right? Our reflexes are rhythmic. Uh, So many things. We've got a rhythmic blood system. We've got a rhythmic lymph system. We've got a rhythmic cranial sacral fluid system. We've, I mean, we could go on and on. Just if we think about the fluids of our body. But if you take a moment to bring your attention into your hands right and just notice you just right now you just kind of notice your current state right notice like your breath your body in the chair you're just kind of noticing and then i'm going to invite you to very slowly begin to close your hands you're just making a soft ball in your hands and then very slowly to open your hands just expanding through the fingers so you're not trying to go you're not going for a stretch or a fist and just do that a couple of more times maybe three or four more times and you're just noticing the feeling of closing and opening And then just let your hands rest and notice your state now. And just if anything has shifted, moved, changed in any way. And so this is like something really simple Mm. of simply instigating a little rhythm. That's all it is. It's a closing and opening. And then being able to just see, well, if I instigate that little rhythm in my hands, is there a, a way that I feel that impact elsewhere in my larger system? What did you notice, Alex? Absolutely, I'm Doing trying not
0: that. to be too cheesy because I get really cheesy with Essie uh, because it it the words that come are like it's home for me, Essie. Mm-hmm. It's um, my heart. It's my hero. So that said, what I noticed was a sense of energy, I guess, moving downward, but in a in a lovely slow flow, like a stream. To use some imagery, like river mm-hmm. water, like a stream. Oh, there's a nice breath. I've probably been holding that in all
1: (laughs) for the whole conversation. (laughs) Right. And here's the thing, because because you're excited and because there's a little nerve wracking and you're, you know, we're putting ourselves out here in this conversation and and it means something. It's important to you and it's important to me. And I noticed as I do this, and this is something I do, I do it on my own. I do it in public settings in like public classes. I do it sometimes in a session. But it's a way without kind of, it's something very simple mm-hmm. that can be done, that can just kind of instigate a little rhythmic exchange, right? So that could be one way. I mean, there's a plethora of ways. Yes, but that right? was beautiful.
0: Thanks for sharing it's that It's so one. simple,
1: oh, right? Yeah. and mm-hmm. And, you know... It's something we can all do sometimes when we notice like, oh, I'm stuck. I'm not breathing or it's like, oh, or maybe we don't notice and we just want to see what happens. Sometimes I just do this and I notice, oh, my breath settles a little bit and I Mm. can kind of drop down a little bit or somebody else might have a sense that it lightens them up. Mm -hmm. So I always really want to name that because when I notice what happens in my body, that is not a template. Yes. that you have to follow, right? Absolutely. It's yes. like, that is just, an. it's an example yes. of a whole various yes. experience that
0: as could happen. Many experiences as stars in the sky possibly, but yes. Exactly,
1: exactly.
0: Yeah, that's um, another thing I love about Essie is the way it's It's not something, eventually you would have to go to someone for work. It's something you do with yourself, and of course, when we get stuck, it's very helpful to go do your SE work with a professional um, or SEP, but it's also stuff that absolutely can be done independently. Yeah.
1: So That's hopeful. what I love. I mean, we're, we're, you know, here we are embodied, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Here we are. I mean, until we, until we don't have this body, we are the body and so much more, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do we inhabit this? And my biggest joy is empowering my peeps, (laughs) empowering my clients and my students to to find ways of taking this home. The first thing I do is give my my clients tools and explorations to take home and play with. And it's like, yes, we're going to do some work. Yes. The work that we do together is potent and important. And you get to take this with you and you like make this yours. And that's, that's the joy when somebody comes back and says, oh my gosh, I went to the wedding and all the things that we talked about and the ways that we explored and we set myself up, I I managed it, you know. I made it through, and it wasn't a disaster, right? It was. I actually got to talk. I actually talked to some people, and it was okay. I used that thing we talked about underneath the dining room table, right? You know, I used my hands or whatever it was, right? And I, I had somebody else who I could connect with, and all the tools that we put into place, and those are, those are magic, right? When it's like they come back and they say. I made it through the surgery and it was okay. Or I made it through the wedding and it wasn't a disaster. Or I had this conversation with my boss and you know what? It wasn't easy, but it wasn't horrible, Mm -hmm.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right? I feel Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I feel like part of my job description is giving and this is part of what I feel like se has helped and along with some other things that I right. bring in but it's like getting an instruction manual on how to yes. be an embodied human yes right yes. Embodied. It's an, oh, yes right it's an embodied human so you have a body how do you how do you work this thing yep from yeah. the inside out. Yes. Not how do you fix it? How do you you know pump yes. it up? How do you slim it down? Make it look how, good. <laughs> yes. Don't get me started. That's a whole another <laughs> conversation, right? But how do we work from with it from the inside mm. so that we can show up for ourselves, for each other, for the world? Right, with as much presence and compassion and love as we can find. What are the tools? How do we turn it up? How do we turn it down? How do we help it sleep? How do we help it digest? How do not digest food, but digest experiences, emotions, metabolize. Yes. Right. So I feel like that's the joy. Is here's one way, here's an instruction manual for how to move towards being deeply present and embodied and have a little bit more joy and presence, even in the midst of so much of people.
0: Yeah.
1: I just really want to name, you know, we're talking at a time of incredible angst and pain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how do we, how do we not give up <laughs> which you know there are days <laughs> there yeah. are days where it's like pull the covers over and I, you know it's too much mm-hmm. and how do we navigate that how do we hold mm-hmm. that it's sometimes too much yeah. and and yet keep going and how do we tend to our little corner of the universe and let that be something that is also part of the larger web of tending to this planet mm. and the 10 credible pain that is present
0: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i find that tricky i find personally but also professionally with clients and uh just the guilt of and actually to be fair i've been feeling it lately with ukraine the crisis going on in ukraine trying to feel gratitude and then honoring what anyone that doesn't have a place to sleep or is on the run or is yeah it's
1: a, you know it's like se right we we can how do we pendulate right yeah, how yeah. do we be with the truth of it is that you yes. and i are incredibly privileged on yes. lots of different levels and we that's a that's another conversation of talking about privilege right and how i think, how I do think we, we have five episodes i think so <laughs> Right. How do we leverage that privilege? Right. Not just take it for granted. Yeah, I get to do that. But how do we leverage it to address the inequities and the injustice and the cruelty in the world? So there's that. And how do we sit with the pain Mm -hmm. that is happening? both in our own lives, but in the world, right? And that's the, this is the, the, we pendulate, right? We have to have the appreciation, the gratitude, the, this is is what is so beautiful in my life right now to be able to hold, oh my God, my heart is broken again and I can't breathe again. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the people who is inspiring me most around that right now Mm-hmm. is Francis Weller's work. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but I have been okay. reintroduced to his work again. And he's phenomenal. He's um, he's a soul activist. He's an author. He's a psychotherapist. And his book, The Wild Edge of Sorrow, is really about working with grief and the importance of being with and cultivating joy simultaneously and how do we ritualize that and bring in some of the forgotten wisdom of traditions from around the world to ritualize and work with the energies of that
0: idol alone shakes me to my core in a good way
1: wow yeah yeah Mm -hmm. required reading
0: yeah i'll I'll, I'll do it (laughs) yeah you brought in the word "magic" a couple minutes ago, and I, and so I thought, did you do you have I magic moments that you kind of go to if I ask you that question? Does anything come up in particular?
1: Well, it kind of named it, you know it's like those moments where somebody I've been working with comes back or sends me a message and says, "Oh my gosh, mm. right." I can't imagine that I got, that I did this. This yeah. is so weird. Like, this is just weird, and, <laughs> but it worked. I can't believe it worked, right? I actually managed to do this thing that I, you know, six months ago or, you know, three months ago, I couldn't have imagined my being able to navigate this scenario, right? That's, That's magic. Nice. That is me. magic. And do you also, have any personal, yeah, go or? I would personal. say also, well, let's see, personal uh, magic moments. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because as I continue to grow and age and develop and deepen into myself and this work, I. Recognize that the magic is in the ordinary, and so you know you ask me like, and I'm like, I think I think there's this magic that happens all the time, right? And I am a believer in magic and synchronicity, and I have them a lot, I think, and also that recognition of you know I'm in such a a, a, a different place with myself my work, my relationships, my loved ones, the world than I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So I'm not being very specific because I can't say, oh yes, I can name this, this magic moment, but there is a, maybe that's the magic is that having, having some time, having integrated a lot of this work and still discovering new things. Right. I still, you know, you and I are blessed and privileged enough to, you know, assist in some out of experiencing trainings. And I'm always like, oh yeah, forgot about that. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a whole <laughs> different way. I do that, but I do it differently. Right? It's a whole nother layer of learning, right? Yeah. Which I absolutely adore. But I think there's a way that it becomes, what do we say? Right? It's embodied. When something is embodied, it becomes part of us. It's like we even have these phrases, like, I know it in my bones, right? My bones are the same as the minerals in the earth. I know something deeply, Mm -hmm. right? And it resonates, like, I don't have to think about it. So there's this way of, what do they say? It's like 300 repetitions to become a habit and like 3,000 for it to be embodied. Mm -hmm. I don't know who said that. Right. Right. I heard it, I think, from Stacy Haynes. I don't know if she's the one who coined that phrase or if it comes from something else, some of the studies of you know how to create habits in the body and yeah. become, but for something to become embodied, and then it becomes habitual. It's like, oh, I now have the habit beyond the habit, it's embodied. And it's like I sit down and I automatically feel my body in the chair. Mm-hmm. I have enough practice right? These are why these are practices. You could call them tools. You can call them practice. Yeah. We do the practice. So then it becomes a habit. So mm-hmm. then it becomes part of just who we are. So right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm feeling my body, mm-hmm. right? I feel my body in the chair and I'm sensing you. And there's this conversation, you know, verbally, but also energetically of, my nervous system with your nervous system, and that's become a habit. Now, there are other things that I'm still kind of working on embodying. Yeah, yeah. You remember, that's magic. It, 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 that's it, magic. It,
0: no, you're I, I absolutely agree because I think, especially if I contrast who I am today versus 10, 20 years ago, and one of the things while you were talking that I was thinking about those very ordinary moments even letting like right now I have a very blue sky out my window and it's a very warm day in spring, which is, I'll take it, but also comes with the, we need water, but yes. But maybe previously these words kind of suck, but it wouldn't have been enough for me to be a resource. And when you're in survival mode, the majority of the time, it is a little bit harder. So what do I, what do I know from that? I know I'm less in survival mode, (laughs) which is miraculous magic. Yes. And that these things like this resource of this gorgeous blue sky, or like I said at the beginning, you putting your hands on me, even thinking about that, I can settle and I can feel more settled. Mm -hmm. And that's so ordinary and so magic especially if anyone could be in my body like 10 15 20 years
1: ago <laughs> that's a yeah. huge huge yeah. huge deal mm, I and I, what you're naming is the there's an alchemical process that you're naming
0: mm-hmm. oh, right more. i love that word
1: me too i <laughs> love the word alchemical cuz you know you know the 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 old idea of alchemy is that you can transform something into something else and transform something that's not so precious into something precious. You know, originally it's like lead into gold or, but the alchemy of transforming your trauma and your survival, Mm -hmm. right? Over time with work, little bits and pieces here, tools and things to a thriving, right? You're moving from survival to thrival. Mm-hmm. You're moving from a body that you used to probably not inhabit very well mm-hmm. or even want to inhabit or, you know, couldn't inhabit, you know, whatever, yeah, and to yeah. a body that actually can drink in a blue sky and actually let it into receive. your body. Exactly. You get exactly. to receive. Yep, exactly. Right? And that is... And, and it does it as you're naming, it doesn't take as much as it used to, mm-hmm. to help you settle, to come back to yourself. Mm-hmm. This is that ongoing, and this is the, you know, the invitation of so many spiritual traditions. It's like, how do we pre the present in the moment? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> you know, how do I, and different from separating spirit and body and body being, here's another conversation. All right. We've added another, I've one, got right? that. I've got this in my notes. <laughs> You've got a list, right? Another like, Oh, we've got to separate spirit out from body and body is not so good. And spirit is all good. It's like, no, we touch spirit through this magic of senses, you know, my eyes, my mouth, my nose, my ears, my skin, And some of those we lose, right? We lose through trauma. We shut them down because it's not safe. And we can recover some of that. Mm -hmm. Maybe not all, maybe in different ways, but we can recover, remember ourselves, right? Into a deeper conversation with however, you know, we want to call it spirit energy consciousness right so for me the intersection of se and kind of my spiritual life has been very potent mm. because it's it's like oh you're just saying the same thing with different language cool right? Right right, right 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 i can use this this isn't something to be tossed aside but this is a vehicle mm. right through which i get to fully inhabit this mysterious experience of being a human being you use
0: the word empowering with clients and and your peeps and that's exactly right it just feels so empowering as I say that immediately what comes to mind is the opposite of trauma yeah the opposite Mm -hmm. of trauma and that is what it's about oh man I'm so touched by this because you did such a lovely job of capturing the somatic experiencing magic, essence, just, just exactly what I wanted to hear. And I do feel like I got a little bit of SE therapy. So that's the sneaky part of the podcast. That's why, you know, sneaky, powerful. Yes, it is about SE, but it's also my sneaky way of
1: <laughs> getting... And you know what here's okay here's another magic moment yay we learn these so I've learned these tools and I learn these practices do them over and over again in my personal life in my private life and then I bring them to a session and I'm practicing at the same time that my client is practicing Right. Yes, I'm tending their system, and we're working on certain things. But I inevitably receive gifts and healing because I'm required to a engage with my own system Mm -hmm. to be with the other system. Right. I'm required. That maybe even that sounds right. I am required because I feel like you know, that's what they're coming to me for, right, is for me to be present with myself enough that I can be with them. Mm -hmm. But it's also, you know, it's a joy, right? Mm -hmm. And so I get, I come out of this, you know, I think it was the other, just last week, I woke up, I didn't have a good night's sleep, I was feeling the weight of just the grief, and I was holding some personal grief, and I was holding some of the the heaviness of the war in Ukraine and the the demolishment of our planet. And, you know, I don't, I don't have to name, it was just one of those mornings. Right. (laughs) And I thought, Oh, the last thing I want to do is go into my office and see clients. And i what do I have to give? All of that stuff. And, you know, by the end, right. Slowly throughout the day, right. By the end, I, I actually taught a class that day online, which is not, not delicious, but it's, better than nothing. I have my community, you know, community across the country. Right. Which is one of the gifts of zoom. And, and then I had a client after each hour, right. I felt more present and I felt more settled and I felt more capable and nothing had changed. If anything, I had been with more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But There was this sneaky, powerful way that offering this beautiful way of being for another and others allowed me to receive that same thing. And by the end of the day, I was tired, but Mm -hmm. I I was more spacious. I could hold it with more grace. Sneaky, powerful.
0: Magic, baby. Magic. magic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel so uh, vitality. My vitality feels um, increased when I engage in SE Conversations or SE Sessions. Okay, so for the last little bit, how do you play? You did talk about what inspires you lately, but anything else, music, art, Anything goes. This is the anything goes minute. Anything goes. (laughs)
1: Um, I'll tell you a couple of things. I'll share a couple of things. One, one of the other things that I'm listening to that is feeling very important is I'm really loving Prentice Hemphill's podcast, Finding Our Way. And I am learning so much from them. And Yeah, just highly recommended. I love the way that they bring this conversation of embodiment to the deep question of healing justice and injustice and the deep concerns that we are working with in our world. So that's really inspiring to me. They have a quote That is sometimes misappropriated, but I think is really important. Boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. There you go. Look them up. Look them up. Listen to the podcast, add it to the list, my ever growing list of podcasts and books. Yes. (laughs) And I would say the other thing that I'm doing right now in my own life is I am re ritualizing my life and the importance of bringing ritual. And I'm not just talking, I'm not talking about the ritual of pouring your tea in the morning. I'm talking about ritualizing and tending. A sacred space Mm -hmm. and going out into nature and, you know, doing a ritual to tend my grief or working uh, with a tree or with a river and cultivating a deep conversation relationship with the layers that we don't see, whether you want to call it the other world, spirit world, soul. This is the soul work of Really bringing back into something that I think our culture, well, we've lost and we have also deliberately taken away from other cultures because I don't even know why. Well, right. I, I can, I can, I, yeah, I do know why, <laughs> right? I have my theories, mm. but we have lost this connection to deep soul work. And so I'm really actively. Working to re-ritualize my life and making sure that I have moments where I am intentionally and consciously bridging the worlds Mm. of what's seen and what's unseen, of what's inside and what's outside, and what's beautiful and what's horrendous. Yes. Yes
0: absolutely right
1: so that's something i'm doing and that can look a lot of different ways Mm -hmm. um, from tending a little sacred altar in my space and lighting a candle and saying prayers it can be making offerings to the river it could be singing to the trees it could be lots of different things but really being attentive to the fact that yes we're embodied and in this body is so much more than just flesh and blood there is deep consciousness and deep soul and that's fulfilling me in a lots of different ways what else i collage i like to collage i love collaging like all right do you we know soul collage, collage soul collage soul collage <laughs> that's what is i that do, what you do? I, I do some soul collaging so so that's a thing that I, I don't do it as often but i feel like it's a it's a creative way that i get to um Again, set aside my control and just follow instinct and pleasure of color and shape and image and see what comes out. Yes. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm glad you reminded me of that. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. We need a soul collage date. We need to get on Zoom, get out our magazines. Let's do it. Let's do it. I would love that.
0: Uh, Bringing forth, what's the Gnostic gospels quote it's in i think it's in peter's book in an unspoken voice but basically that which is within us if we don't bring it forth will kill us it's a very Pretty simplified much. version of it, it is
1: but, but yes yeah exactly nearby
0: but okay yeah. well it's been beyond lovely and
1: thank you so much Allie. i you. so appreciate um i so appreciate that you're bringing these conversations forward and that yeah, that you're harvesting, you know, these conversations and this wisdom from different folks and how, um, how important it is. And um, I feel honored. I feel totally honored. And I'm excited to have more conversations.
0: I am too. I'm like, okay, let's-
1: <laughs> On or off the mic. Double episodes.
0: Mic. <laughs> well, we do get to see each other in what, less than a month or about a month? Yes, we do. I'm looking forward to
1: that.